0: Turning your Bibles to John 24, the Gospel of John 24. What I'm going to tell you guys today is something that took me six years to learn. And it was a hard lesson, especially when it takes six years to learn something. <laughs> but God puts you on a spiritual journey, and that journey starts in different areas whenever you get saved. Some people it's later than life, some people. Even this semester have gotten saved. And that spiritual journey is starting even now as you're starting to grow in the grace of God. But today, today my desire is to teach you that you need to believe that God is real. Jesus is real. Due to popular belief, Michael Beam, he might consider this a gospel message, which it's not. But what I want to teach you guys today is something that I think is a misconception in the Bible with a lot of preachers. And I want to talk about Thomas. And the title of my message is Thomas's Confession. Thomas's Confession. Let's start in verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. And he said unto them, except I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now I ask that you just fill me with your spirit, that you give me the words to say, God, if there's something in my life that you don't want there, get it out. Show it to me so I can confess it. God, let this be a day that I'd be able to convey what you taught me, Lord. It was a hard lesson, but let today be the day that some would start believing that you are a God that is there. In your son's name, amen. Point number one, let's talk about Thomas's misconception. He believed his faith was placed on what he thought he knew. Up to this point, all he rethought was Jesus is dead. And if you look throughout it, there's very few passages that actually mention Thomas's name. And the most of them are in the lineups of the disciples. And in my opinion, from what I've studied, Thomas was a very straightforward guy. Every time he spoke, it was just something, boom. I don't think he really cared about what people thought. If you look in John chapter 11, and verse 16, Then said Thomas, which is called Denimus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. This is when Lazarus died. I mean, you didn't see any of the other disciples getting up there. You know what? Let's go on and go. Thomas like, no, let's go. If these people are upset and they're dying spiritually inside because their family member just died, let's go die alongside them. We need to be a support for them. You go a little bit further into chapter 14 of John, verses four through six. Jesus is talking. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He just wanted to, he voiced his opinion. We hear about Peter always sticking his foot in his mouth. But here, Thomas, he genuinely wants to know something he doesn't understand. He's just throwing it out there. Saying, Jesus, I don't know. Would you just tell us? How can we know the way you're going? And Jesus simply tells him with a straightforward answer. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He wanted a straightforward answer because Jesus always answered him straightforward. How many of us in our lives go throughout life thinking, you know what, I just want a straightforward answer? But yet, here's Thomas, and we keep calling him Doubting Thomas, when his entire life and his ministry, he always got a straightforward answer. How many of us want a straightforward answer when God isn't talking? We continue on throughout the passage. He evidently wasn't around the rest of the disciples very much. He kept, Jesus kept showing up to the other disciples, but Thomas never seemed to be around. And when the disciples finally came and talked to him, they're saying, we've seen the Christ. You know what? I don't know if I believe you. I heard he died on the cross. He might have even seen the Romans sealing the tomb. His object of faith died. Could you imagine something you've put so much faith in and you hear that it died? Something you've walked for so many years with, somebody you've poured your life into, and then they die. To him, God wasn't around anymore. Jesus died for him. That's why he was doubting. He was trapped in his past. Just imagine how much shame you would have when you see the Roman soldiers coming and you run, and all of a sudden you keep hearing, "Oh, Jesus is alive! Jesus is alive! Jesus is alive!" How can he be alive to me if I... How? What, this is why he's not coming to me. This is why he hasn't revealed him to me. I ran. He was trapped in that thought. How many of us are trapped in our own thoughts in our life? We're stuck in our past. And we think, how can God use me? I've failed. I've fallen. I just can't do it. How many times have we doubted and had that thought? He desired, he just didn't, he wanted proof that Jesus was alive. I'm sure like me, oft times, you want proof. Somebody says a statement, you're like, ah, I don't really believe, you know, the sky's blue. I can't see the sky, how can you prove it's blue? Well, he didn't see Jesus, so how can they prove that he's true? He's just going by man's word. How many of you guys have ever worked with a skeptic? Or have been around somebody that's a skeptic and they're just like, you know, I don't know about all that Jesus stuff. These are the kind of guys who walk up to you and tell you the moon's made out of cheese and they'll argue that it's made out of something else. It's like going to Charlie and telling him the moon's cheese and he screams amen every five seconds. (laughs) Wisconsin people, you got to watch out for them. (laughs) We've been around those skeptics. But these people, they haven't seen it either. But yet, dare I say, some of us, even though we're saved, we still question if God exists. So many times we go throughout life and we don't think. We we think, oh, God's not there. He's never done this for me. He's not supplied for my school bill. Well, if God was there, he would bring my parents back together. I know I don't, I don't typically like sharing a lot about my past, but my parents are separated. That was a very dark time in my life, and I considered suicide during that time. Where was God then? But you know what? God's still on the throne. And if it wasn't for that moment, I wouldn't be standing here. God always has a plan. And God takes you from a dark place, and he puts you somewhere else. Think about where Thomas is at right now on the run, probably being hunted by the Romans right now. Is this water Good, up for grabs? Thank you, Isaac. He didn't drink. I, was, I saw one bottle of water. I thought, oh, man, we're going to have to share. <laughs> I could have been bad. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> okay, he desired proof, but, you know, he desired visible proof. If you go further back into the passage, look at verse 20. Jesus just came up, he revealed himself to the disciples, verse 20. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Go to verse 25. Except I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. These guys just said, we saw Jesus Christ. We saw the wounds on his hands. We saw the wound on his side. Well, I want to see that too. Wouldn't you want to think that? I mean, There's probably people faking that they're Jesus Christ. Some of the disciples that ran away. I mean, there were starting rumors. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were running around saying, oh, he faked his death. Oh, they took his body. There are all these rumors, all these lies going around. But yet, you still can't fake a hole that goes through your hands and a massive gaping wound in your side. You can't fake that. And why would you not want visible proof, physical proof, to be able to say, you know what, I'm not going to believe unless I actually get to touch it. They're talking about, there are theories that there's mass hysteria going on. There's this massive hallucination that all the disciples were thinking they saw Jesus Christ. What if he bought into that? He lived in the Greek culture. Anything could have happened. (laughs) Thomas had a yearning to see his Savior in the flesh. My question to you, you know, we keep ripping on Thomas, saying, oh, this guy, this guy, he doubts, he doubts. says, How many people in the Old Testament and the early New Testament wanted to see a visible hand of God? How many times did David cry out to God? God, where are you? I'm down here in the depths of hell. But yet, you're still not here. But he has hope still. Though I make my bed in hell, thou art still with me. He had faith and a God. What about Elijah? He just saw fire fall from heaven, consume an altar that had how many gallons of water? I forget. Twelve barrels of water poured all over it. And yet, just a few weeks later, he gets a letter that this crazy woman wants him dead because he killed all her prophets. And now he's on the run after he literally called fire down from heaven. And it took the mountain, if you look at the word, the wording, how it's used, the mountain, when it said the mountain shook when he was hiding in the mountain, could literally mean the mountain was torn in half. He felt an earthquake, fire. But yet, what took him to his knees and made him wrap his head? The voice of God. What about John the Baptist? Stuck in prison, keeps hearing the Christ has come, the Christ has come. He sends his disciples out there. Are you the Christ? Go and tell John. The blind see. The lame walk. The sick are healed. How many times are we doubting our God? And think he's not real. They all wanted to know that God was there. Once again, just putting into perspective, his object of faith died. He had faith that this was God incarnate, the bringer, the one who's bringing the kingdom back. A lot of these guys had faith this is the kingdom bringer, not the salvation bringer. But let's look at something very... I'd say it's more powerful than Peter's confession, in my opinion. My next point is Thomas's confession. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus. The doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. He looked at Thomas. He would not talk to anybody else. He looked at Thomas. Then said he to Thomas, Reach thither thy fingers, and behold my hands, and reach thither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. We keep talking about how Thomas had such little faith in this moment. Can I remind you that when Jesus was still alive, that Peter rebuked Jesus, Peter questioned Jesus, and he denied Jesus all before he died. Thomas doubted one time. Which side of the corner are you on? Are you saying you have all this faith in Jesus Christ, but you're questioning him, denying him, denying the power that's God giving you? Or has there been in some of your lives something that has been so disastrous that's put you into a dark place? And you just need Jesus to say, Here am I. First thing I want to look at in this is the term my Lord. The term here, Lord, is referring to the lordship or master relationship, which I want to point out because when Thomas was walking with Jesus Christ, this is how he viewed Jesus he saw him as his Lord and his master, his teacher. I'm glad Pastor Luther came here today. You don't mind if I use you, do you? <laughs> so, Pastor Luther's my pastor of the church I go here. He's my pastor, he's a leader in the church, he's my leader, he's my teacher, he's a spiritual leader, but yet, he's still my friend. The disciples had this view of Jesus Christ. Yes, he was a friend to them, but they kept seeing him. I believe they saw him more as that Lord and Master. And when that Lord and Master died, that visible object of faith was gone. God forbid if Pastor Luther would die. (laughs) But think about your local churches and your pastors. If those pastors just died, that would throw your church into chaos. Trying to figure out who's going to be the next pastor. Is the associate pastor going to move up? If Kenny's watching, would Kenny become the pastor? That'd be terrifying. <laughs> but just imagine that. Your parent, your mom or your dad just died. As Isaac was talking about in his preaching, your grandpa just dies all of a sudden. Where's God? Where's God? When they died. But yet in this moment comes, I believe, the greatest confession of all. He just didn't say, my Lord. He said, my God. This is now a personal statement. When we walk in our lives, how many times do we view it as religion versus relationship? How many of you just walk around saying, yeah, Lord's the ma- God's the master of my life. He's the one who tells me what to do. He's the one who tells me this. But I'm doing it all out of duty because I want to get the check mark. Oh yeah, I read my devotions to be the good Christian. I pray, I go soul winning. But you know what? I do it all out of duty. When was the last time you thought, I'm doing this because my God's with me. My God loves me. I'm doing this because my God took me out of the depths of hell. Put that into mind. Jesus left the glory of heaven and came here for you. That's the greatest showing of love anybody could ever see. Would you want to, as the President of the United States, go down to the worst slums and start living there? No. But Jesus did because he loves you. He loves every one of us. That's the time Thomas finally realized, this just isn't my Lord, this is my God, because he's alive. He's right there. He showed me his wounds. I didn't even, he didn't even have to touch them. He just said, my Lord and my God. He recognized that day that there's something greater to life than just what's in the now. Some of us today need to realize that the Christian life is a real life relationship and not a concept. This moment changed, changed Thomas's life forever. And now he has a drive to do the impossible. Because of this moment, according to church history, he went to India. Did you see anybody else going to India? No. And you know what? He died there. You talk with Trofe, Tim, They'll tell you the stories that they have of what Thomas did in India. If you get that drive in your life, God will take you places that you will never dream of. Look what it says in verse 29. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. That verse is for us. We've never seen Christ, but we hear him. Every day we should be hearing him because he's given us his word. Well, God's not talking to me. Well, you're not in your Bible then. Because this is God talking to us. God wants us to follow him that goes beyond what modern Christianity is trying to push. Once you start living for God, as if he is the very present help, it will transform your life. And we have verses in the Bible that Thomas didn't even have. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 18. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Titus 2.14. Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, a set-apart, somebody that belongs to him and him alone. Zealous of good works. Romans 8.15-17. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with ours that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be also glorified together. Ephesians 1, 5 through 6 having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. You realize all the benefits we have? We are viewed as the very children of God. We are in equal standing with Jesus Christ but we deny the power that God gives us that comes with it. Do you realize the power that we have at our disposal to go do things? God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of strength and of love. There are people that are out here. There are people that are lost and dying. We're all stuck out here in our own christian ease. And you know what? There's a lost and dying world out here. There are people who need to know That God died for their sins. That he loves every one of us. And you want to know how he made that present in my life? That he is real? This is a piece of the truck I should have died in. I should have died. And that was the moment I realized God had a greater plan for me because he loves me. I looked inside of my truck after I wrecked it And it literally looked like there was a bubble around me. I should have died. Some of you have been in car accidents. Michael Beam, he should have died when he was in his car accident. Judah Eddy, he did die. But God brought him back. (laughs) God has a plan for all of us. But now is the moment you need to realize in your own life, you know what? God has a plan for every one of us. But that mark, it marks the point when you realize that God is real. My friend, it is now the time to transform your life and your mind by looking unto God, our Savior. The moment you were saved, he became your God. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's a privilege we get from God looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That is a privilege from God. What are we doing? Sitting here, doing nothing. God has called us to a greater purpose because he's our God. You want to know why Christianity is mocked today? You want to know why it's falling today? Because Christians aren't taking it serious. For you freshmen, make this a moment in your life when you stand up and say, this is, is my God and whom I will trust because he is your God. For your seniors that are getting ready to go out to ministry, just as Isaac said, keep running the race, but always remember that he's running with you. He is with you. You know what? God just doesn't want victors. He wants conquerors. A victor is somebody who still has somebody to conquer. A conqueror is someone who's at the top and has no one matching him. That's what we're called to. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. What are you gonna do today? Are you gonna make God your God? Believe that Jesus Christ is real.